more delays, mass layoffs announced, and we're still waiting on those Disneyland reopening guidelines. That and more on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave where he's currently taking bets on if Black Widow's just going to come directly to Disney Plus Premiere Access, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Hey, yo. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, so what odds exactly are you running right now for this Black Widow flick? Just completely shooting past theaters entirely. Uh, I think that's a. I think those odds are actually still pretty low. Uh, you think so? Yeah, I think so. They they just pushed it out to next year, and I think they they want to release that to theaters. Uh, yeah, it's not a Mulan situation. I don't think so. Not in this situation. Well, I guess it, I think this winds up becoming kind of an issue where. Time will tell. Uh, I did note uh, just recently, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Regal Cinemas uh, is closing a lot of their theaters because our Regal, our local Regal Cinema just recently reopened, but uh, there was like little to no new movies in those theaters. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like really old movies. They were showing Hocus Pocus for $5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, $5 with a side of Corona. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, so it sounds like our theater will probably close again soon because uh, yeah. I guess they just uh, called out that uh the new James Bond movie was also being pushed out. And because of yeah. that, uh, I think just the lack of movies coming out this year, because I think outside of the, the Bond movie, there's still only the Wonder Woman and the new Dune movie, which I'm really interested in seeing, uh, yeah. that are still slated to come out this year. But I think they're predicting that those will be pushed out till next year as well. Totally, but uh, for sure. So, yeah, and I think it's I think it's just like what you were saying with Regal. I think it's all of their theaters, both in the U.S. and the U.K., are totally closing down because yeah, they're big. They're big tent poles that they you know survive on are all are all pushed to next year. So yeah, and I, I, I mean, think it's, saying closing, I don't think they're. They're not closing permanently. They're just right. closing till next year. And unfortunately, we have to be very specific with that because I was like, no, don't tell me my local theater is closing for good because we just had all these uh, these stores closing and our theater is also in the mall. So it's kind of scary saying that anything is closing. But yes, it does not look like it is a permanent close. It's just closing yeah. till... Uh, sometime uh, next year opening. Yeah, it'll be, I, I'm really curious in terms of how that's all gonna shake out because it's like, even if, you know, even if let's say 
the risk of Corona has dropped pretty substantially by the time I think it's May. Is that when it got pushed out black widow? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Even, even if, even if in May, you know, things are a little bit in a better position in terms of your ability to contract for whatever reason, vaccine, whatever. Um, you know, there's always that question of like, are people going to feel comfortable going to the movie theaters? And, you know, I mean, this has been this question with all of these studios, like uh, Universal, especially, and attested the waters with think it was trolls. But like, you know, are people that now are kind of slowly getting conditioned for these new releases to also be available at home? Is that going to have any kind of tangible effect on just kind of general box office later on down the road. And, and, you know, I mean, Black Widow is one of those examples of, you know, you could see May being sort of a, uh, like I said, even if things are just better, it could, it's still on the precipice of the comfort level, maybe not being there. People may be being a little bit more willing to spend money if it's at home. So it'll be interesting to see what that box office ends up being, assuming that it is May, right? Yeah, I think it's it's weird because I think we might see uh, a little bit of a change maybe in how long it, it – I mean, there's that, and then I think there's also the potential where it could also change how the the timing of, like, when things do come out to uh, to the home the, uh, home rentals, I guess, yeah. uh, because uh, – it, it may just be that it's also shorter. It'll be interesting because, yes, I think Black Widow will be kind of the test case because even when it comes to, like, theaters, uh, like, I don't necessarily mind watching, say, a a drama-type movie where there's no big special effects at home. But if it's, like, a sci-fi movie, even particularly, like, something like uh, Black Widow or... Uh, something like Dune, uh, I want to see that on the big screen. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, I definitely think if theaters are like open, it's, you're still going to get people who are going to go to the movies. I think you get, oh, yeah. you'll get a lot of people going to the theaters even now. Um, it's, it's weird because you know, I know we think one way, but there's always somebody I find who will still say, yeah, there's still somebody who's going to do the, the thing that isn't, is rec- not recommended at this time. Totally. I think it's more of a quiet. I mean, I don't think it's a binary uh, kind of a thing. I think it's more of like, let's say half of the people show up that, you know, you were predicting. Uh, and again, like who knows what, any kind of film predictions are going to be next year in terms of in terms of box office. But like, let's say, you know, half of the people that normally would show up, that's pretty disastrous, dude. Like in any kind of normal situation, that's pretty disastrous. And it might just be a situation of like, dude, it's written off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that's probably going to be the case with a lot of Disney just bookkeeping for 2020 is like, there's going to be a lot of write-offs. I think for any kind of like entertainment company that requires a gathering of individuals to kind of make money from, like there's just going to be a lot of write-offs happening. So, you know, it might just be a situation of, hey, anything is better than nothing. But, you know, just like I said, in terms of just box office and people going to see it in theaters, you know, let's say even two thirds of the people show up. That's still a pretty big hit. So, again, like it'll it, it'll be interesting to see where that 
ends up and just kind of like what the reaction is to that. Certainly not going to be everyone that normally would have gone if this were 2019, let's say. Uh, it's not you're not going to see 100 percent of that that box office again. It's just where is that going to where is that going to come in versus, I don't know, initial expectations, revised expectations, just who knows, you know, like uh, I imagine there will be some people that would that have been spoiled by the premiere access and may wait for that. And to your point, like if it's a very quick turnaround, then, you know, that might help to kind of soften that blow. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's 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 that is a big question. We're certainly we're not the only ones asking it. I do think, though, man, like if you look at that slate of what Marvel looks like now, uh, you know, so you have Black Widow in May, you have Shang-Chi in July, and then you have Eternals in November. Who knows if that uh, if if all of those <laughs> timetables stay where they are. But let's just uh, for argument's sake, assume that they do. Man, that is seems like a pretty good window to open up Avengers Campus, huh? Yeah, um, but I don't know. It's <laughs> it's interesting because I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of like those movies are like I think the the only thing is is I think right now I think Black Widow is the only one that will be necessarily like recognized as as something Avenger. Because I think um, looking at some of these movies, I think they're trying to get away uh, from from these kind of comic book feel movies. So I, yeah. I don't know if like, you know, especially for Shang-Chi and I think for Eternals is going to be kind of big, but it's going to I think they're trying to go for a different feel for these uh, movies that are based off of comic books. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean. You know, I could see, I guess, um, you know, with that landscape, at least for, you know, an Avengers land, you almost it's like Black Wind, Black Widow kind of opens the doors to everyone. It's like, yeah, this is still pretty familiar. You have Black Widow roaming around, you know, you have like advertising for that movie. I'm I'm assuming that Disneyland will be open by May 2021. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it'll be like, yeah, you know, this is this is comfortably familiar. And maybe you start to introduce a little bit of Shang-Chi, but it's still kind of nice and familiar. And uh, and then Shang-Chi comes out and it's like, OK, there's a little bit of a push going on in there, but you're still kind of nestled in that family friendly kind of familiarity of of classic Avengers with just a little bit of other stuff going on. And then when Eternals rolls around, it's like, OK, we can we can slowly start to introduce maybe even more of these characters as that marketing push is going on. Uh, I mean, you know, they could also give away digital copies of Black Widow for every single person that walks in through Avengers Campus. Like, hey, welcome. Here's a copy of Black Widow. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. They would never do that. They would <laughs> They would never do that. <laughs> yeah. Although I think uh, it's possible that uh, I think they could start integrating more of these, uh, these Disney Plus uh, Marvel shows uh into say uh, the um, uh, into the Avengers Campus because uh, they have some pretty big ones, especially uh, they just announced like uh, recently who, who's uh, not just who's playing the She Hulk, but also just recently the Ms. Marvel. And yeah. uh, Ms. Marvel's really, really big 
with the uh with the younger crowd so i can definitely see her having a big presence at uh at avengers campus so i think i, th- sure. I think that's going to be uh, a big thing but those shows i definitely think are going to be pushed uh, way out so i don't know if they yeah. would uh, necessarily wait for uh these uh movies to open avengers campus uh yeah. I don't know if that's going to be something that they want to wait on. <laughs> Dude, you you mentioning the integration of these Disney Plus live action shows uh, gave me a worrying premonition. Uh, I, I just had a vision, Henry All, of the future, which is to save money across, I don't know what the division would be, to save money at Disney, let's just keep it broad. Uh, Bob Chapik makes the call that the Nick Fury movie must be shot at Avengers campus in DCA. <laughs> They're using all externals from <laughs> that. You're watching it like, wait a second, hold on. Is that uh, the Matterhorn in the background there? Like, well, I mean, maybe that's why uh, like, while Disney's uh, uh, DCA has been closed, they've been filming the Nick Fury show. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> there we go, man. Oof, I like that. That's my kind of prediction. Yeah, we'll see. Well, it has been, dude. It has been just an absolutely brutal week uh, for Disney parks here in the U.S., right? So we're going to get into kind of all of that. But there are a couple of other fun updates that we just that we just very briefly wanted to touch on before we really get into the nitty gritty. So does, does that sound okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like let's let's a uh, a uh, 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 kind of a slow letdown here. But uh, so first up, we have an update on that Islands of Adventure Velocicoaster that was announced and then immediately retracted all of all within last week. Uh, so we had uh, Universal. Uh, officially come out now and confirm that this is actually a real thing that's happening in 2021. So their press release, their press release states, quote, Florida's fastest and tallest launch coaster, along with a pack of fierce velociraptors, will be unleashed at Universal Orlando Resort in 2021 with the debut of Jurassic World Velocicoaster. This new species of roller coaster touts a series of intense maneuvers that will send guests catapulting up to 70 miles per hour and more than 150 feet in the air with the swiftest of prehistoric predators. Guests will join the original cast of the films, Chris Pratt as Owen Grady, Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering, and B.D. Wong as Dr. Henry Wu as Jurassic World unveils the next evolution of its carnivore expansion. They also previewed like a sneak peek of the experience with a, a CGI video showcasing what that coaster experience looks like. Uh, it looks pretty cool, man. I got to say, like it, it, it's a nice kind of combination of cool set piece. It looks like that they've built. Uh, it's almost like a craggy kind of island in the middle of that Islands of Adventure Lagoon um, with, you know, there's a lot of like intercut raptors running and yeah, just a, a high intensity, high 
you know, fast paced action. Sounds like from that press release, we're, uh, we're going to get a little bit of story and maybe some cameos. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, what do you think the, what do you think the uh, chances are that we're going to get those on video screen? Pretty, pretty solid, huh? Oh, uh, with them like a video screen around the, the, at the coaster or just like, maybe it's like, I'll bet it's like the launch or something like that. Like you get into your, your coaster and there's like video screens on the side of like the loading platform. Oh yeah. And that's where it's like Chris Pratt being like, Hey, take it easy guys. Careful of those Raptors. Okay. They're pretty, they're pretty rambunctious right now. Say hi to blue for me and some, some nonsense like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Universal loves their screens, so this seems like a perfect opportunity. Exactly. Universal is all in on using video screens whenever possible. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, we did get that at like Tower of Terror or the uh, the re-theme of Tower of Terror with um, with Operation Breakout uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy at Disney California Adventure. It works there. The video screen kind of works very well in that kind of setting. So, I mean, maybe it'll work for this coaster. I think, I think it doesn't really matter. It's all about the coaster experience anyway, and it looks pretty awesome. Um, but it also means, dude, that we are set up for a little bit of a coaster war going on in 2021 because we already had the Tron coaster announced at Magic Kingdom. Uh, and now we're going to get the Velocicoaster announced uh, that's been announced at Islands of Adventure. So uh, of the two... Which are you most excited about? I have a feeling I know which one. I, I have a feeling you know which one I'm uh, most excited <laughs> for as well. Hands down, Tron. Yeah. <laughs> Just be- you're a Jurassic Park fan, right? Yeah, like I enjoy the Jurassic Parks. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm definitely not as invested in Tron uh, in Jurassic Park as I am in Tron. Uh, sure. Because Tron, I mean, that was something I enjoyed as a kid, and I've and there's just so much of that world that would just be amazing to see visually done. That just isn't. I mean, like that's like a whole another world to visit, and I would love to see that done. And now through that coast, this uh, through the light cycle coaster i can actually like finally get some of that um jurassic park is you know they've i've been you know for years ever since they opened up the uh jurassic park uh the flu ride in uh hollywood uh universal hollywood i've rode that when they first opened it and uh and it's fun um I've even re- rode the uh, the new uh, retooling of it, the update to it. Um, but I mean, it's Jurassic Park is just jungles and dinosaurs, whereas I'm I want to <laughs> yeah. see some futuristic stuff. I've always been more more into like the futuristic sci-fi too. So sure. Uh, so that's you know that's my bad. I'm more biased. So um, I, but I imagine no, no. both both roller coasters are going to be amazing. So I love yeah, modern I mean, day this, coasters. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds legit for sure. And I think, you know, for, you know, uh, having ridden Tron before, at least the Shanghai version, which sounds like it's going to be exactly the same as what's in, uh, Orlando at magic kingdom. Yeah. I mean, it is pure Tron fantasy fulfillment. I, it, it is kind of more modernized based on the, uh, the newer movie yeah. was evolution. Is that right? Tron evolution. Legacy. 
Legacy. That's right. Tron Legacy. Evolution was like a PC game or something, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's based on Tron, the the newer kind of Tron Legacy, but it still is like excellent fantasy fulfillment. It does such a good job at that. And so you know, we've definitely had, to your point, other opportunities of getting that kind of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World <laughs> fantasy fulfillment. Uh, and so you're right to like kind of various degrees, but there has been experiences there and, and Tron generally speaking has been a pretty untapped, at least, uh, you know, theme park experience. So it, 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 I think it'll, it'll feel a lot more fresh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like they're really kicking out the jams for this Velocicoaster. So, you know, anytime you have two major e-ticket attractions at two big parks duking it out, we win, right? Oh, like, yeah, for there sure. There is no loser in this case. And then speaking of the Magic Kingdom, we actually just celebrated its and Epcot's, and I guess Disney World's as well, uh, 49th and 38th birthdays this past Thursday. So after Disneyland and then Hong Kong Disneyland, it's kind of nice that we actually have a uh, a theme park that's that's actually open on its birthday. Um, obviously still, it still has to be one of the strangest birthdays that, uh, celebrations that any kind of park can have and that it's open in the middle of a global pandemic and, and heavily, uh, heavily restricted in terms of its attendance, but, um, but it is open. So, you know, that's that in this day and age is something, uh, and, you know, inside the magic had a, had a fun little bit of context that they had written up just kind of showing how far Walt Disney World has come since it opened in 1971. So their little blurb stated, uh, Walt Disney Resort opened with one theme park, three hotels, and one campground. Over the past half century, it has grown to include four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and dining center, 33 resort hotels, not including the Four Seasons, Bonnet Creek, uh, or Disney Springs Resort Hotel areas, four golf courses, a horse ranch, award-winning spa and health clubs, and countless world-class restaurants. And it all is spread across a piece of land equivalent to the size of San Francisco. So <laughs> clearly it's uh, it's come a long way. Like it's, you know, I kind of have like very, you know, uh, uh, fleeting memories, I guess, of the old Disney world being like, you know, oh, it's just... It's just Disney World and Epcot. And then, you know, I don't know, it just exploded yeah. <laughs> after that, right? I mean, it is like, it is a it is a world unto itself. Uh, so aptly named, I guess. Yeah, that is that is a huge uh, buildup. I mean, as, as far as additions added to it, I mean, just the sheer number of, uh, of uh, resorts around there is just, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's 33, man. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, damn, really? Like, that, uh, that, uh, that's insane. It's a lot of resorts. Not, uh, so, but this year, they do not have the Magic Kingdom Castle dressed up as a birthday cake, which I believe was for the, the 25th birthday oh. there. That big old pink uh, inflatable birthday cake. So <laughs> it was one of those weird things that like, oh, this really happened. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's not talk about that ever again. Uh, other than like Instagram, it feels like whenever, whenever Magic Kingdom has a birthday, like all of those old pictures of like I was there, they all come out. 
Yeah, keep it classy. Yeah, really, exactly. Like they just went through a a bit of a modification of their castle. So just maybe it's a little, let's just leave it alone for a second. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But happy birthday, Magic Kingdom! Happy birthday, Epcot! Happy birthday, Walt Disney World! All right, well. More than anything else this week was really dominated by two huge stories that uh, that are pretty much related to each other, I guess. But I think in any other week would be like the major story of the week. So lucky us, we get two uh, big bummers. (laughs) But first, we had Disney announcing that they would be laying off 28,000 employees across the parks experience and products division. Uh, That was then followed up with news that California Governor Gavin Newsom would be announcing theme park guidelines that were thought to be not so favorable for Universal and Disney. Uh, There was quite a bit of pushback on that, which, which you can imagine. And so the governor has now delayed them to revisit at some point soon ish. Don't know when. So that's kind of the it's kind of the uh, the high up summary of the week. We're going to get into the nitty gritty details in a second here. Uh, But yeah, man, definitely a couple of heavy hitters. Like I said, both closely linked, seemingly. um, And, you know, they both do have their own unique (laughs) challenges and and kind of issues that they're dealing with. So, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds here because I like, you know, like I said, I think I think they're both very detailed and just emotionally charged topics, as you would imagine any of this would be. Um, and, and so, but I do think it is important to, to just acknowledge where we're at with all of this, where we've come and how we, how we kind of got to this situation and, and at least just give perspective on this. So, I mean, we can start out with the, the kind of situation with the, with the Disneyland resort and just the California theme park guidelines, because it's something that obviously we've been discussing quite a while up at this point. I mean, I feel like it, it just each week we kind of do a check-in and, and we feel like we're, we're not making any kind of headway. So, um, so, I mean, I guess this is an update here, um, but you know, really just rolling back. I, I think, it, I think it is worth just looking at, kind of where this saga and it really is a saga even even started with so you know this all goes back to june which is when disney announced uh, a proposed july 17th reopening date for disneyland resort this was right after they had announced their july reopening date for disney world as well so it was kind of uh it was kind of a one two punch in that sense Um, this was during the state of California's, uh, initial reopening phase where the office of the governor was slowly developing and rolling out guidelines for each different business sector. Um, and so before they had gotten to theme park guidelines, California got hit by the second much larger wave of COVID. And that pretty much put all of this guideline planning on hold for just about everything that was still pending. I mean, the state didn't go back into lockdown, but it definitely, it definitely kind of rolled back a lot of guidelines. And then also, like I said, put, put a major hold on a lot of the progress that was being made. So, 
Um, you know, no surprise when then when guidelines did not come out by that July 17th date and Disney said, well, we don't have guidelines, so we can't really open. And I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a major surprise to people given the numbers of COVID that like, yeah, we're not going to open during this. I mean, you know, Florida did uh, open their theme parks still. They pushed ahead on that. Obviously, they did have guidelines in place. So, I mean, that does kind of change the dynamic over there. But also, as we've discussed before, it's just the makeup of the parks and their location and their ability to really create that bubble and lock down in that Orlando area. Uh, it's a much better situation for that and having complete control, wouldn't you say, over over Disneyland, which is a little more exposed, not just being in like Anaheim directly, like it's in the middle of a city, but it's also like within spitting distance to like Los Angeles. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I I mean, if I believe what I've read, uh, I think, uh, of course, that at this time too, I think we had... Um, but uh, we were starting to see some some more of those, like you said, some of those uh, spikes in uh, coronavirus uh, period. So it was we were starting to get uh, a lot more uh, confirmed uh, uh, people with the uh, the virus. So I think it was. Uh, I believe I've read that the uh, I think the governor went to Disney and actually asked them not to open. Uh, mm. at that time just because you know we needed to get a handle on on the uh, on the virus before we could safely reopen uh, so I right. believe that is why they didn't open at that time which sure. uh, I, I'm which is a big thing of course f- you know them actually doing something like that uh, considering the loss uh in profits, of course, um, but you know, putting the public safety first was was a good thing. Still, I know a lot of people are not happy with the governor. Um, <laughs> they feel like he's, you know, there's, you know, we never know what's really uh, going on behind the scenes because we're not in that room. So this, but uh, you know, I don't know if. Th- I think he still got uh, people's best interests in mind, but, you know, it's really tough at this time because, you know, people still, so many people depend on Disneyland. Totally. And so let's flash to kind of more present right now. So that was that kind of June, July-ish kind of time frame. Uh, and really, you know, we're once we get to the end of September, we still have this, this, um, kind of edict that Newsom has said that he's operating under, which is really public safety is first in a big state like California. Obviously, a lot of different businesses that drive a lot of major components to the economy. He came forward and said, listen, obviously, there's major economic impact by keeping things closed, but public safety has and always will be my number one priority. Whether or not that's what people believe, whether or not people feel like that is, you know, him being straight up or if there's other intentions, whatever. This is this is just what he is saying that he's operating under. So uh, so again, we really haven't we didn't have any update until, you know, coronavirus numbers start to come down. 
um, areas like Anaheim and Orange County in general start to look a little bit better in terms of what their numbers are. They start to come out of uh, lockdown, but also just slowly start to open up more and more and more. We've got downtown Disney that opens up. Uh, obviously, we have uh, Disney World that opens up. And so here we are late September. We still haven't gotten those guidelines, despite Newsom saying for the last few weeks, basically, into, into that mid to late September, um, saying that, uh, that they would be discussing those guidelines soon. Like I said, meanwhile, you know, Florida's opened up. They've been operational since July. And, you know, as far as we or, or, or kind of anyone that's reporting the information knows uh, that these updated health and safety guidelines that they had in place have done their job to prevent any kind of outbreaks anyway. And, and, uh, and so, you know, Disneyland, it seems like, at least according to them, continued prepping all of their reopening. I'm, I'm assuming that Universal probably did something similar on their side. They opened up their city walk to the public as well. So, you know, these parks were operating under the idea of like, well, let's just get ready. And then when these guidelines hit, uh, we'll be we'll be pretty much ready to roll. And those guidelines just haven't hit yet. So, uh, so you know, as time started going on, so we have, uh, in the last couple of weeks now, we've had, you know, Disney execs, business leaders from around the area, local government, they're all asking the governor for these guidelines so that Orange County's economy can slowly start rebounding. I mean, you know, that makes sense. That whole area is heavily dependent, especially Anaheim, dependent on Disneyland bringing in the numbers that it brings in. So even when you have those restaurants and businesses in the area open up, if there's nobody coming to that park, uh, they're not doing the kind of business that they need to do. So, you know, there's, there has been this concern, which again, you know, when public safety is first, yeah, this is going to make sense. You're going to have economic struggles and problems and, and issues and challenges that you're going to have to work through. So, now we're into October, and this past week we got word that these theme park guidelines from the governor's office will finally be announced. So finally a lot of excitement around this, though that excitement quickly sucked out when uh, it was announced that Bob Iger, former CEO uh, and, you know, uh, what is it, uh, head of the board of Disney, um, who had been part of this economic council uh, and economic task force to really to really bring back California's economy, um, that he had resigned from this board, uh, possibly, though there was obviously no confirmation, but possibly in protest for the fact that these guidelines maybe weren't necessarily as favorable as Disney and Universal had hoped that they would be. Um, the OC Register then reported out that these guidelines, uh, sorry, the OC Register then reported out what some of these guidelines were, including uh, that individual theme parks were to reopen once their county reaches the minimal risk level. So California announced this large kind of board for risk level. It went from like minimal to maximal. Minimum was like the last the, the lowest rung of the ladder until you were like Corona free, I guess. So, 
So that's where the theme parks were, was in that minimal risk level uh, that they would operate, that these that the theme parks would operate at 25% of attendance capacity and that visitors would be limited to residents living within a 120-mile radius of each theme park. So obviously, uh, that's pretty, it's pretty limiting. And so we then began hearing from the parks themselves that they weren't particularly happy with these guidelines, uh, that they feel like they didn't really get enough input into the process. And then they were asking the governor to delay uh, releasing and officially codifying these guidelines um, until they could have some kind of modification that could be considered and, and perhaps additional input from the theme parks. Specifically, uh, the one area that they had the most concern with is with theme parks being in that minimal risk level, um, it capped their ability to then scale up and expand beyond those guidelines that they had they had uh, listed out above until COVID was clear, right? Because if you're on the bottom rung uh, of the ladder, the next step is completely off the ladder. And there's clearly no clarity in terms of when that might be. So potentially it would prevent Disney from saying like, we want to go from 25 capacity to 50% capacity, or we want to increase that radius from 120 miles to 200 miles or, you know, whatever, whatever their control was. So it, it did, they felt like it kind of, it capped their ability to expand if things were working until like there was herd immunity, which who knows when that's going to be. Yeah, I could, I could only imagine that if, if we're down at minimal, that, I mean, that's so, I mean, that's so kind of, um, there's no way to yeah. really be able to, plan for that since things are so like uh so i wouldn't say out of control but those areas are really high at this point and you're talking about like we've basically have gotten a whole uh hand on this and we're and we're finally getting rid of this thing and they're you know there's no way you can at, i mean at this point that's that's basically not until maybe uh, I would say probably about no. this time next year, maybe, maybe. Uh, so I, I can see why they would be like definitely infuriated by that because considering that they had already with good, good faith and goodwill, you know, held back on opening, but, uh, at that time, but I mean, I think, uh, I can kind of, see, and it's also kind of making this kind of a blanket guidelines. It doesn't take into consideration the the effort that the parks themselves have put right. into to keep people safe as well. So um, I can I can definitely see the uh, frustration there. Yeah, well, and, um, right, exactly, sure. and even and even to that point, like what you were saying, where you know it, it, it's within the realm of possibility that we may still we, we may not have herd immunity or like a complete vaccine penetration until this time next year it's like that would just mean that you know you're that it that that these parks are operating uh at 25 percent attendance capacity with people within 120 mile 
radius, which, you know, is still pretty generous in that, you know, I think that's probably less of the issue at that point, but, uh, but still 25% capacity for a year, it sounds pretty brutal. So I think that's, yeah, agreed. Like that puts, that makes things really difficult. And so, um, so anyway, this message appears to have gotten through because, Friday's announcement was delayed uh, for additional time to review. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation. I mean, you know, we had been talking about, and this was kind of, you, you were alluding to this as well, which is, you know, it's really hard to kind of come down in an area where you feel confident in terms of like, you know, are people being straight up? Is this negotiating? You know, on one hand, you do kind of get the sense that maybe there wasn't visibility into these guidelines from Disney. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, it's like, man, these guys were begging for guidelines and then they get them and then they're like, wait, 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 we need you to hold on. <laughs> it's like, OK, so, you know, and and I, it, I would be I would legitimately be surprised and, you know, listen, it's certainly within the realm of possibility, not saying that this didn't happen. I would be very surprised if they didn't have any kind of uh, input, but, you know, who knows? I mean, this is, it's, it, you, we just don't know, right? I mean, for all we know, like like we were saying, this could just be a negotiating tactic on the governor's side to kind of figure out kind of somewhere in the middle, but I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> we, we we may never know. Yeah, it's, this is kind of a frustrating thing because I I definitely feel like um th- these these guidelines feel very disheartening and it's and I think the thing is for this is that I, I know he wants to be guided by science when it comes to these uh these guidelines, but there's you need to have some heart in this as well because these i mean these guidelines don't just impact the theme park you have to think of the people who are being impacted by this too so uh, i think it's fair I, and i think it's it's would be more fair at this point where i think the um, parks have to come up with a plan and present that I think you would have, um, I mean, ideally in my mind, there is maybe a council or somebody like, well, the governor and his scientists and whatnot, uh, they can come together and create some kind of guidelines, but the theme parks themselves have to come up with kind of a plan or at least like show, prove this is what we've put in place to to keep our guests, uh, you know, safe from this virus from the COVID-19 and uh, this is what we've put in place and this is what we're planning on doing and then you know present this plan but this the way he's this way this sounds unfortunately you know again we don't know exactly what was presented uh, but the way these these uh, guidelines sound is that yeah, with these parks wouldn't be able to open until sometime next year, and then they're going to 
barely be open and you're going to have a very minimal amount of people. The problem with uh, the people coming from 120 miles away radius is that a lot of those people who are going to be visiting the park are going to be people who live in the area. So they're not going to be going to like the hotels, motels uh, in that area. So you're those people who still depend on like, you know, people traveling from a, a fair amount of distance to go to the park are not going to see the business that they need to, to, to stay open. So um, th- I think you have to have, you know, a given, I understand the science, but you ha- there has to be a compromise between science and reality. Because <laughs> uh, the reality is, you know, I, I hate to say this, but people need to go to work at, at this point since the federal government has not come out with any kind of other stimulus for people uh, who are out of work at this point. And then you're saying, you're telling people, yeah, you can't open for another like year potentially. Uh, that's, that's just going to like, uh, infuriate a lot of people and scare people, you know, because people are on the on the brink as it is. We're already on the brink as it is, and this was kind of the glimmer of hope, you know. So, I think I think they will come to some compromise, and they have to come up with, you know, the guidelines were like the first shot, but uh, maybe the guidelines aren't. I think at this point, guidelines aren't the best thing for the theme parks at this point uh they need they already recognize that they needed their own guidelines but i think you need to go a step further because because theme parks given there's some theme parks that don't have as big of an impact on their area uh as disney does and so maybe uh they don't need uh they're not as their impact is is a lot less to the area but when you have something like universal and definitely disneyland which is hurting like their clothes being closed is hurting the actual economy of the area uh i think you need to like come up with something different uh, totally for sure i mean that and and i think that highlights <laughs> certainly you know, uh, the big challenge of this, of, of that balance of, you know, public safety, public health and kind of economic health and economic safety. And I mean, you know, you also raise the good point that like, yeah, there's also uh, in some cases, public health and economic health are intrinsically tied, right? If, uh, if, if, uh, the economic conditions prevent Disneyland from reopening and X amount of people are out of work for X for, for an extended period of time, unable to get federal, you know, benefits and unable to get unemployment or at least their full unemployment. Um, you know, it, it is a risk to public health, no doubt. Um, you know, to give the, to give the, to play devil's advocate, let's say, um, from the governor's side, I do question and I suspect that a big reason for being for kind of for hardlining these guidelines 
is, and you know, it, this kind of goes to what you were saying with there's, um, there's the science and there's the reality of it. I think you could make a pretty decent argument here that the, that the reality of at least the situation in California is that, you know, he, that, that we did go through one period of reopening and it was pretty disastrous. Right. And so that was where that major spike came in and we just went through the roof. Like there was a point there where especially Southern California, which is where Disneyland is located, was like one of the hotbeds of Corona for the world. And, you know, a big thing that I think a lot of people point to is like, hey, man, maybe you maybe you reopened some of these sectors a little bit too early. I, you know, I, I definitely heard that criticism now. Again, I don't know how legit, how not legit. I think we're still in the middle of 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 this crisis too much to really kind of start letting history dictate, you know, what move was right and what move was wrong. But I suspect that, you know, he probably that that part of the decision factor in Newsom and his and his um his team of scientists and his, his public health officials, uh, part of, part of what is, is kind of driving them is like, well, you know, maybe we didn't play it as safe as we should have last time and look at what the consequences were. And, you know, if we had played it ridiculously safe and kept things very close to the vest, maybe we would be in a better position now or with where we could start to open things up a little bit more as opposed to now where we're just, you know, within the last few weeks, finally starting to come down from that huge spike that we got from possibly reopening too soon. And so, you know, again, this is purely playing devil's advocate from from their point of view. I could see it as a possibility of, hey, it's better to be safe than sorry in this in this situation. And like, it's true that it hurts and there's no question, like there's no question he bet that the that <laughs> the governor of California recognizes the economic impact especially because California is a major economic generator for not just the country but for the world uh you know it, it, it would not be the first time that the thought process has been floated you know if we stop it now it will make it so that we can open up later earlier than if we continued to open up or loosened up or let our foot off the gas or let our foot up off the brake and it continued to experience some of these prolonged issues. So, you know, like I said, that's just playing devil's advocate. I, I absolutely see both sides of it. Um, but I would be very surprised if that and that previous experience and the reality of the impact of that previous experience doesn't come into play when talking about things like theme parks or movie theaters or bars or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause I mean, I wonder, uh, cause you know, I'm not privy to the science that he's using to base these, uh, the base, the guidelines on is that if they actually like, you know, actually investigated where, um, most of these outbreaks 
Like, what caused the outbreaks to happen? Was it the reopening that caused the outbreaks? But, I mean, you know, what exactly caused the outbreaks? Because that's what you kind of have to get the, ha- uh, the handle on. And sure. I, to my mind, I imagine the reopening wasn't what caused the outbreaks. I think what probably caused a lot of the outbreaks was that people were getting so pent up from being like closed. Yeah. The reopening uh, was uh, the outbreaks are attributed to some of the re reopening, but the reopening wasn't the cause. It was because people were so pent up that during the reopening, they didn't actually follow the rules after reopening it's like hey we're reopening but you need to follow these rules and that will keep you know this pandemic from like getting worse they didn't do that and uh i think i think it's it's hope it unfortunately it's one of those things where you don't have uh you know, really control over what people are doing, but you really, it's, you need a plan for to, in place for after you reopen these places and give power and make sure you're enforcing, you know, these rules that have been put in place. And that was, I think, more of the problem after reopening. Nobody was enforcing those rules, so nobody followed those rules. And that's why we had, well, I'm not going to say nobody followed those rules. <laughs> that, that'd that be completely wrong. But a lot of people didn't follow those rules. And then, uh, especially since nobody was really enforcing them, and people suffered because of it. Um, I think you have an, uh, something like, say, a, uh, a theme park, which I think that Disney has shown a little bit more, uh, has actually shown that they can actually have a kind of more controlled environment. I'm not going to say it's completely controlled because uh, people are people and they have free will and there's people who are just going to buck the system regardless of whether uh, it hurts you or hurts them. Uh, but uh, I think in a more controlled environment, people can actually be safe um, as long as you follow the rules and those rules are enforced. Uh, so I think uh, that is also a reality that he need, that the governor also has to take into consideration when we're talking about things like guidelines for these parks reopening. At least for Disney and Universal Studios, they have a precedence in Florida where they have reopened something and they have put measures in to kind of to deal with the uh the pandemic and 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 keep you know guests safe so they have that kind of that data unfortunately i think uh you need to have a third party go in there and check everything out and whatnot and and then report whatnot but i think that kind of that kind of information needs to be taken into consideration too so there's just a lot of there's a lot of cogs in this and you can't just have like just doing blanket guidelines out for everybody is kind of is is not ideal in this kind of situation so 
I understand. Uh, I definitely understand the governor's perspective, and and I was definitely disheartened when we had that first opening and we were definitely impacted here because of the first opening and then the the new the second closures of stuff but i think um i think the problem what we need we need to still kind of like move towards opening but we need to be smart about it and and i think being overly restrictive is just going to make people want to rebel more on it because then a lot of people I feel are going to feel attacked. Like they're, you know, as you said, you know, the economic health and public health in some of these ways do go hand in hand because there's one thing if like maybe you get sick in a different way but you don't have the funds coming in you can't go you can't afford to see a doctor even if you know so i think there is a lot of uh cogs in this that need to be in other parts and other things need to be considered so i can you know I think these things need to, I'm sure they'll come to a compromise and things will change. And maybe, maybe this was kind of like, as you say, like a kind of a, a first, a really like stringent, uh, like a guideline that, you know, the, it's the place to start your bargaining at, but man, if they would have rolled those out and they were as restrictive as they were kind of, as they were reporting, they were going to be, I think, I think there would have been, uh, I think Newsom would have had issues on his hands from people, just a complete outrage on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. It's become a very public kind of a thing all of a sudden, in terms of, uh, you know, just all sorts of ads and PSAs and, and, you know, in many cases, rightfully so, but, um, you know, it seems like it has not been public until recently from the government side. And so now maybe things are at least with the initial guidelines, maybe that's a way of just, like I said, making the negotiation a little more public, uh, a question I did have, um, just because, you know, I'm trying to th- think a lot of these angles through. Um, it does strike me as str- maybe strange isn't the right word. I did have a question in thinking of, you know, these guidelines and how things open and how they don't and economic impact and motivation around economic impact in the area. So, I mean... You know, when we look at reopening of theme parks, really what we're talking about is 100% reopening or close to 100% reopening, at least of mostly attractions, right? Obviously, Disney's not talking about opening up uh, like meet and greets and parades and fireworks, but they are talking about like all rides are for the most part open. There is an avenue that has been open to all theme parks to at least partially partially reopen. And I've actually been kind of surprised that right now Knott's Berry Farm has been the only one that's kind of gone this route. It's something that we talked about a few weeks ago of this kind of food festival or just kind of limited events that are held at 
kind of on the grounds and that still have things going on, but not necessarily like rides and attractions. And, you know, I, I definitely could see why, like, maybe something like that could work with knots and not work with Disney and that Disneyland is kind of like a, they see themselves rightfully so. I mean, they are, I don't want to suggest that this isn't the case, but as kind of the premier experience, as opposed to like knots, which is a little bit more kind of local amusement park as opposed to full on theme park, um, or top tier theme park anyway. But I mean, it seems like, you know, if purely in, and of course, like, again, we're talking about business, so it's never purely about just the economy of the area. Uh, they're thinking about their own economic interests as well here. You know, there were, there was an avenue at least of opening up and doing some level of food festival or something similar to that. And I'm wondering why that wasn't something that if they didn't explore, at least maybe jump on. <laughs> and again, maybe this is just me feeling like, you know, like I said, sell, selling Disneyland a little short. Um, but, you know, it seems like the approach that they're taking maybe is closer to all or nothing in terms of what is open, not necessarily capacity, but you know what I mean? Like the experience that's had. Yeah. I, because it seems like, it seems like the charitable thing to do. And again, like, I, like I'm just trying to think through all of these various different angles here. If, if we're being charitable to the local economy, charitable to Disneyland employees, it's like, well, we do have a limited experience that does put people to work. Does people, does bring people down from LA and the surrounding area to the general you know, the general Disneyland resort. Um, and there's some level of functionality there. Certainly not ideal, certainly not what I think most people would attribute to the Disneyland experience. But again, like neither is downtown Disney, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe that, I mean, I, I, you know, again, as you said, I, we don't really know what this, you know, really comes down to I, I thought they did like uh the disney like um like management had gone into knots and were experiencing it so i'm that's I, right they were spotted yeah so i imagine they did look into this so i i don't know if maybe it's it it was seen as maybe uh the cost wise was maybe more expensive to put that on for them because yeah. um, i imagine they have to uh, I mean, I don't know all the, of course, ins and outs that they, you know, how many people they'd have to bring in. And I'm, I'm definitely sure that people would, uh, would attend. Uh, but, uh, I think there's probably something in there that could, that wound up being kind of a bit maybe foreboding to them or maybe more cost wise, costly for Disney to, to put that on because yeah I, I don't know why they didn't go through with that uh maybe they saw opening downtown disney as kind of a similar um a sure. similar thing that they were doing so um and and even they had they've had you know tricks difficulties with that um so i don't i don't know on that on that front um even then, I think wasn't there. There was a lot of like kind of, because um, that was kind of like a loophole type thing that they were exploiting uh, for that. 
it's kind of a loophole. I think loophole maybe sounds a little more nefarious than what it is. Yeah. I think it's just like the way that the way that theme park versus mall is defined is like, you know, is basically rides and attractions. So it's like if you have an outdoor space that has dining and shopping, then as long then then it puts it into a different category than a theme park, which has rides and attractions, right? And so because outdoor malls, for instance, and malls in general are within guidelines to reopen, um, you know, it, it puts you into that kind of tier where it's a little more lenient. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it 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 does sound like something that, uh, you know, would have been something they jump on. But I think uh, I could see where maybe, you know, the it would be more costly to them because i think they would probably want to go a little bit bigger uh for it or or, and then like when you introduce like marketing and and all the people that you have to bring back for that and i think they're just really counting on maybe uh, just opening and say like well you know we try we would get something from this but it really wouldn't make much of a an impact and it would cost this much so it's just kind of minimal so maybe we just we're waiting on these guidelines or we're going to be able to open and let's put our everything towards that uh and so maybe they just felt that any day now they could be they were going to get the green light to open and that's what they were hoping on right they put a lot of effort. Certainly, I mean, we've seen a lot of effort going into just getting the park back up for some kind of announcement sometime soon. So, yeah, I, I imagine like that's clearly what they were prepping for. Um, well, I mean, regardless, dude, one hell of a saga. Yeah, <laughs> it does feel like we're uh, we're kind of at the final chapter here. I'm I'm just kind of curious if this is like uh, Act Three in a single movie or. Or if this becomes like a full-blown final season of a TV show that stretches out over 12 episodes, I hope it's the former because, man, it, it, like I said, I think I think everybody wants some resolution. It's like even if even if the news is rough and like let's say the, the solution is like, well, you don't open until – you know, the new year, it's like, okay, at least, at least we have clarity. I think that's, you know, if if there is one major criticism to make for sure of Newsom, it's like, there has not been that level of clarity, Uh, whether that clarity has been provided to the parks or, you know, or not. uh, I don't know, but at least from a public perspective, it makes it a little hard to plan anything. But I mean, again, that's kind of it's kind of the world we're living in right now, right? Yeah, and you know something else I just thought about why they may have not have done that uh, that uh, like food festival type thing is that after they opened up the downtown Disney, they had that big kind of like rush of people and a lot of a little bad news was coming out of that. I think they may have worried that if they did a food festival they may run into the similar situation and they didn't want like if they had like bad news come out because they did the food festival that might push back uh, an actual opening even further back because people are definitely would go to the food festival uh, but you know i don't think they wanted to risk any kind of bad press coming out of that too there's 
that potential too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, da- Downtown Disney has been slammed every weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's been a hitting capacity. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I remember when they first opened up, like, uh, at the World of Disney, and then they had like people like all over oh, each yeah. other and shoulder to shoulder, yeah. just yeah, shoving each other out of the way to get stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. for sure. No social distancing. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's a good point, man. Well. But yeah, I mean, it, this has just been dragging on and on and I, I just want to, I want to be done and I definitely want some clarity in this. And I think that's kind of the big, the big problem of what we've heard of the guidelines is that there definitely wasn't going to be any clarity of like when they could open for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. the clarity is, is that it's going to be a long time from now <laughs> so <laughs> yeah right don't don't plan on it anytime soon certainly uh you know at this point don't expect those christmas decorations going up but if they do great but don't expect it <laughs> and so man like it, if uh if this last week couldn't have been more of just kind of a downer is the real downer occurred, which was in the middle of all of this back and forth with guidelines, we then get news that Disney would be laying off 28,000 staff members across its parks, cruises, and retail stores because of this pandemic. Um, And so even though these layoffs reach across the U.S. and all of Disney's various uh, campuses. In the public statement that was made, California's, quote, unwillingness to lift restrictions that would allow Disneyland to reopen, end quote, was called out as a primary factor with this. Um, Obviously, the day-to-day workforce took the heaviest hit, it seems like, when looking at these numbers. Uh, But then we also got word that over 400 Imagineers were also uh, affected from that. So, you know, clearly pretty rough situation for just a heck of a uh, heck of a lot of people. And dude, like, you know, having been, I think both of us having been laid off from uh, Disney in the past, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I can speak for both of us and saying that, you know, we, first of all, like hearts go out to everyone that was affected. This is far and away just a terrible time to lose your job and so uh you know it's never fun getting laid off just in general (laughs) that kind of sends you into a bit of a tailspin but especially in these circumstances so um you know before we kind of get into just a little bit of discussion around this if you are looking to help out any of these cast members we've got a couple of food banks that are stepping up to support so we've got the second harvest food bank in both california and florida the disneyland cast member food bank uh, started by workers united local 50 and the cast member food pantry at disney world they're all taking donations uh, links uh, i'll be including links in the show notes if you're interested in donating and just need a link to take you to where you can do that so certainly again terrible time for this to happen we're getting into the holidays it's not like disney uh, employees especially cast members are the best paid employees anyway so you know uh, that makes things equally rough in a time like this so great that these places are stepping up to support cast members like this um, so if you can, please donate uh, and, you know, help 
the people that help make all of our Disney experiences just that much more magical. I mean, I, I think that was my main kind of takeaway first. I, I definitely had a few waves of kind of feelings about this, but the first one was like, man, you know, being a cast member is it really takes a special kind of person because not only are you kind of public facing, which, you know, has its own kind of challenges, but, you know, it really is the cast members that make that experience. And I personally, I know that you have as well, Henry, have just had so many wonderful experiences with cast members that do go out of their way to really make uh, any time that we're at the park just ridiculously memorable. And so, you know, it really, it just does hurt to see those guys being the ones that are affected by this. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's just really sad. <laughs> it's really sad to read, man. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And, and it does actually hit home because we've actually had, uh, 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 relatives actually get, uh, laid off part of this. So, it, it is something that does actually like has hit home for us. Um, and, and you are right. I mean, these people, I mean, it, anybody who's ever worked uh, retail or worked with the public in some form and fashion know that it, it is, it, it can be very difficult. So, you know, it, somebody who makes your day, you know, and works with the public day in, day out. And, you know, they, it takes a special type of person to do that. And, uh, and they definitely need to be like, they need, it's now our turn to kind of take care of them and hopefully make their day better. Cause it's, it's definitely a rough time, um, for them and, for all of us, for sure. And I'm sure there's other people because, I mean, uh, Disney wasn't the only one who laid off a lot of people um, at this time. So, and it's and yeah. it's a brutal time of the year, you know, to do so because we're just, like you said, going into the holidays. And that's the time that, you know, people see either see family the most and this year you may not see those family at this time because of uh the pandemic and then you know having the money to to celebrate you know and and, and get your children gifts and stuff is you know it's never uh tight christmases are always pretty rough um not to mention like thanksgiving as well um but uh, yes, it's it's a rough thing at this time. Yeah. And I mean, we, <clears throat> you know, it's like, like I said, I think it's just, it sucks. It definitely, you know, you adds kind of more emotion and kind of just gasoline to, I think a lot of the feelings that we've already been talking about with California, and I only mention this because California is explicitly called out in the uh, in the statement. So you know, uh, like I said, it 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 kind of makes that contentious situation that much more contentious. And so, you know, it's it's uh, I guess there's the potential it's going to get maybe a little bit uglier before it gets better. But you know, hopefully you know, when these parks do reopen and things start moving, 
lot of these uh, cast members can really get brought back in, start moving again, start working again, and get hired in in you know a way that is equal, if not more, of what their what their salary was previously, and that they're just not as affected as you know they potentially could be. So, um, you know, I've I've faith at least in Disney in doing that because at least a they're they're going to be needed at some point. It's not like Disneyland will be closed forever, even though it does feel that way at times. Um, and you know, I mean, to their credit as well, they held on with a lot of these furloughed employees for longer than a lot of other companies did and continued to pay benefits and continued to just kind of keep them in the fold for much longer than a lot of these other companies have. So, you know, it's just unfortunate for sure. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and they have, uh, I think I've read something that they, you know, the bring backs, bringing back employees and stuff. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, yeah, the, the frustration on this is that, you know, for not just for them is that I want to go to Disneyland. I want to give Disney my money and, and, and it's just, we can't. And, uh, you know, it, so it's, I, I, there's, well, I think that makes it, that makes it like a, that almost makes the, that makes the battle a little bit uglier almost, yeah. right? Where <laughs> it becomes, I mean, this is, this is kind of what we were saying about at least the situation going on in California is like, you know, you've got a lot of people that feel very passionate about Disney. And, you know, I, I don't know if that has any impact on anything from a, from a you know negotiation or decision kind of standpoint but you know like i said one of the reasons that it is so i use dirty for lack of a better term but there is a little bit of weaponization that's being done in terms of disney using its fans against the government and so you know like i said without even getting into and and i think the government has tons of blame on its hands as well but it, this is just why I feel like, man, it's it, it it's just kind of hit this point of when when I read that statement specifically calling out California, I winced just a little bit because it's like, damn, dude, like that feels like it's like I said, it's it's a bit of a shot, and certainly it might be justified to a certain extent. I don't know if that was the message to do that. <laughs> It felt a little, like I said, it, it felt a little weaponized. So, um, you know, I don't know, man. It could just be that I'm very sensitive given <laughs> kind of where we're at from from a, uh, 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 you know, uh, quarantine kind of standpoint, but also just everything is so heavily politicized and poisonous from a, from a kind of political perspective that it's just, I'm just reading all of that into it, but it was just kind of like, man, it is, you know, I, I worry sometimes about that kind of just like really trying to use public affection as a weapon. Um, but regardless, that's, that's like I said, maybe that's just me. No, I, I agree. I think, I think there is kind of this, um, I think at this time with how many kind of like, issues or I guess because of riots and whatnot that we've had, I do worry about like sending out 
calling out like people and and doing things like this uh because so many people do rely i mean that's a lot of jobs and uh yeah. that were lost and that's definitely like calling out california is is pointing the finger at uh at the governor gavin newsom and uh and that's one of and and i think you know you know that's me playing say devil's advocate for disney is that i don't think they wanted to do uh they wanted to uh have this huge layoff i mean maybe oh yeah because yeah. it, it it looks really bad i mean you know sure. it it's really 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 bad in in the public eye for them uh and and it's I think potentially there were, would have possibly been layoffs anyways, but like the California uh, Disneyland and California Adventure not being open definitely did not help that situation at all. So I think I totally. think that message was definitely uh, something that was added out of frustration, and because yeah. that you know. It is something, unfortunately, that the governor does share in the blame uh, for this, possibly for not having clarity on when the park is going to be able to open. Because even like even saying even if if he would have released those other guidelines to say that, you know, we have to be in the minimal um, that's still not clear enough because you can't you can't pin a date to that. So the the park can't say we need to hold people on to this date because uh, we're going to have work for them. Uh, so totally. so there is yeah. I, blame to be placed. But yes, it is something at this point which is kind of dangerous. You're 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 playing with fire at this point, and California definitely doesn't need any more fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, well, and it's like, it's not even so. I mean, everything that you said is totally accurate. And, you know, but like we've said, it's just like there is so much going on behind the scenes, most likely, that like we don't have full clarity on it. And so, you know, like I said, it's, it is, you know, the statement and what you're saying in terms of it it being like a little bit of frustration to put it very lightly and that it is probably very true that like, yeah, this be, you know, California parks being closed added to this, um, that, that is just a fact. Like I completely a hundred percent believe that, but you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not, so I'm not even like, that's not even, Kind of where I'm coming from. It's more of just I, I think at least in this context, the appropriateness of of kind of you know what I mean, like putting closed door stuff out in the open. Um, you know what I mean? Like because you know, then it becomes a then it becomes a negotiation tactic. Like there's no way that you can look at that statement again, from my perspective, there's no way that you can look at that statement and then say, well that isn't trying in some whether actively or passively an attempt to force the governor's hand and it 
and it very well might have been an active thing to do that. But again, I question whether an announcement that you're laying off 28,000 employees that all have lives and jobs whose whose you know <laughs> lives are being uh, are being dramatically changed at that moment. I question the appropriateness of 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 doing something like that in that forum. Like I feel like that should be a you know I mean again we're like now we're going back and forth in terms of or we're we're breaking down kind of you know, negotiation tactics and the appropriateness of it. But it's like I said, that was my, at least when I, when I slightly winced in reading that, it was like, dude, that felt like a kind of behind the scenes thing that should have been left behind the scenes and not in the, not in the forum of like, Hey, we're announcing massive layoffs today. You know what I mean? Like, dude, save, save that jab for like, you know, I don't I, like a press release to like the LA Times or the New York Times or an interview at like, you know, uh, on like Fox Business or MSNBC or whatever. Like uh, the announcement that you're alter you're, that you're dramatically altering the lives of a large portion of your employees. It just didn't feel like, man, that was like <laughs> that felt like it stung a little bit. Uh, to then read that. But, and so, like I said, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is the, this is, uh, you know, this is the world of business too. So as much as we, you know, you pointed this out as much as we like to see Disney as a kind of touchy feely, warm kind of company, it is also a business. So, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do what they need to do. And whether, like I said, whether that was intentional or not, I, I can't help but wonder, like, did that result in these guidelines coming out that were like very harsh? <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's like, again, like this is now we're going beyond even speculation. I'm, I'm like conspiracy theory here, but it's like, you know, you could see a reality and then we should, we should stop conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theory, uh, one one moment here. But, uh, you know, you could see a reality where that kind of jab is made public, uh, you know, in addition to everything else. And, you know, in the context of, well, look, now you've now you've helped make it so that, you know, tens of thousands of people have lost their jobs, which again may be very well accurate. Um, and then the governor goes, OK, so you want guidelines? Here are your guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you want to negotiate that way okay let's negotiate that way yeah yeah. Uh, I don't know. think that was the case I, I think the guidelines probably were already done by that point I would imagine um, so yeah. I don't think that's the case but I definitely like you are definitely on on point in saying that this was dirty pool and definitely something that should probably not been well definitely don't think it should have been made public it shouldn't have been part of this uh but i think we already kind of saw that uh like start like last week when they when we saw these like commercials that they were going to run talking about hey like urging the get uh the governor and urging people to kind of like push the governor to like open up Disneyland and they were going to run that commercial. Yeah. I think we already saw that Disney was ready to start playing dirty. Um, and yeah. 
we've crossed that bridge. Yeah, yeah. but you know, <laughs> unfortunately, we are not privy to what's going on behind closed doors. So maybe the governor was playing pretty dirty, or at least uh, it seems like. I mean, you know, again, uh, that the science you also have to take into you know into consideration reality and that people's lives are being affected by the Disneyland being closed and, you know, keeping them closed is, is going to impact them and there's no business. I mean, there's just like this frustration. I think seeing me seeing businesses closing at this time uh, because they can't afford to stay open and then, uh, and we've talked to this off, talked about this off air is that like, you know, these businesses aren't allowed to open, but they're still being charged like their rent to, to hold their mm-hmm. shop, but yet they can't open and do business. So it's like, you have to pay, but I'm going to make sure you can actually like make money so you can pay me. It's, it's kind of just this like, just a brutal gaffe to people and you know and it just it doesn't just affect the business owner it affects all the people they employ as well so i think um i think people are just you know are frustrated there's just this ball of frustration with everything right now there's just so much frustration and and it's just coming to a head at this point or maybe like it's it's blowing up in in unfortunately in the governor's face right now with announcements like this and commercials. So yeah. I think uh, I think I understand the the idea of we're going to use the science, but you need more than science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, so I mean, outside of. Uh, you know, the federal assistance that we know isn't going to come, you know, it sounds like the best way of handling this is that, man, they get on uh, this rewrite of these guidelines and really figure something out. So hopefully something like that kicks back and comes around very soon so that, you know, we can, uh, we can all figure this out. I think at this point we've identified in everyone's best interest to have some reopening guidelines that everyone feels is like achievable and safe. That seems like that seems like the way to go. <laughs> Obviously, clearly easier said than done, but seems like we're closer to that. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say we're closer to it, but I think I I think uh, things are are coming to a head and that, you know, we either need to figure out if if we need to, like, revisit these guidelines, if that's the best solution. I think they are revisiting. Yeah. Well, I mean, or maybe even like uh, maybe we need something else on top of this or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they are revisiting them. uh, But, uh, you know. Honestly, I, I don't think the guidelines is is the best way of going at this. It's one of those things where I think uh, one one fits all type guidelines is not ideal for this situation. 
Well, we'll see. We'll see what this next week brings. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically, uh, does that, so I predicted last week that we would get guidelines this week. Does that mean I'm right? Did I, did I score a point here or no? No. Are we not counting no, this? No, we're not ca- counting it until they're uh, actually made officially public. <laughs> we don't count that oh, as man. a win. You almost did, though. You almost did. Oh, man. I could taste it. I could taste that point. Yeah, almost, but almost doesn't count <laughs> except for in horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> oh, man, dude. Well, the march continues on, huh? Yeah. Well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you made it this far, you're hopefully enjoying the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 36 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care. Care, big guy. I'll talk to you next week. You too, man. Bye.